Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Remember the little engine that could? Well, it seemed like he couldn't for a long time, couldn't it? Uh, Reading those stories to your kids, I think I can, I think I can. And sadly, I believe that's where a lot of believers live their lives. I think I can. I I think I'm making a difference. I I think I'm happy. I think my marriage is okay. I I I think I'm at the right job. I think I have a heavenly home. All those things, according to the scripture, we can know to be true and can walk in the truth of those things. We have to know what the scripture says about them. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of of a heavenly home and move beyond thinking that we're there, hopefully, to knowing that we are, or if we're not, meeting him today so that we can know that we are. We want to turn to John chapter 3. It's this conversation, an eternal conversation between Nicodemus and and the Lord Jesus. And we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3 reading down through verse 16 together. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with them. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. How can anyone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone so it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, four things I want us to see today from this text that a heavenly home depends on. The first of which is this. A heavenly home depends on asking the right questions. Look at verses 3 and 4 again with me. Asking the right questions. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Watch this question. How can anyone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. How can anyone be born when they're old? The questions that Nicodemus poses here tells us, uh, both, both questions in verse 4 and verse 9 tells us a thing or two about the heart of Nicodemus. First of all, he was so steeped in the law and so steeped in the fact that 
it is so absolute that he couldn't recognize the concept of rebirth. And that's true of him. It's true of us oftentimes. The law is such an absolute black and white yes and no thing. And consequently, as such, it's predictable. It's explainable. It, there's, there's both truth and consequence. I, I behave this way. I may end up in jail for it. I, I don't behave this way. There's consequences for there's consequences for the decisions we make and the behavior that follows those decisions. And Nicodemus was steeped in that. He was raised in that, schooled in that his entire life. So it was hard for him to see and conceptualize this concept of rebirth because it depends on how someone behaves, their behavior, and, and that alone. That's what the law was speak, speaking to and still speaks to. Secondly, he was at least somewhat doubtful about his way, his knowledge being the only knowledge, being the only way. Uh, he was, in essence, and this is, this is what, what I want to drive home in, in this point, and that is asking the right questions, specifically at the right time. Uh, it, it's, it's not about being always able to find the answers, but about our, our search. And that search helps to reveal to us our lostness. If, you come, if you're going to come to know Christ, you have to first, first of all realize your lostness. You have to realize you don't know him. I need a relationship with him. I'm, I'm apart from him. I'm distant from him. I need to know him. And so... How do I recognize that? Well, the Spirit helps reveal to me in my heart my lostness. That's, what, that's what, how those questions come, and that's where they come from. Uh, questions like, why am I here? Anybody ever ask that question? Questions like, what's life supposed to be about? Or is this all random? Or is there some design to all of this? Or another one is, if heaven really exists, how do I get there? I'd like to go. How do I, how do I know that to be true? All these are great questions, but they ultimately lead us to finding this, this search for the answer to be found only in the Lord Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection for us. And so it leads us, these questions do, to the end of ourselves. It leads, leads us to the end of human comprehension to where there's, the only one left with these answers is God. And let me tell you this, he's not the one who just has the answers. He is the answer. He's the answer. And so if we're seeking today, if those questions are rumbling in our mind of what, the, what is this about? Why am I here? What's, is there designed all this? Is it just a bunch of random things happening in the world? Or does, does God have a plan? Is he weaving his way through, this, through us in, 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 in this life and in this place by design, divine design? Well, to know that, I've got to know him. If I don't know him, I, those things are very unclear to me as they were to Nicodemus. Secondly, not only do you have to ask the right questions, a heavenly home depends on tr trading the physical for the spiritual. Trading the physical for the spiritual. Look at verses 5 to 8 again with me. It says this, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Modern-day academia would have us believe that if science can't explain it or define it, it is untrue or, or it doesn't exist or shouldn't exist. Um, there's a problem with that. That is, God doesn't depend on science to explain himself. He doesn't depend on our definitions, this, these worldly definitions, to, to define himself, and he will not crawl in that box and stay there. Um, only here's the problem with science. Science can't explain rebirth. It can't explain being born again. In fact, 
Science can't explain birth, natural, physical birth. Now, it can explain it on a, on a, on a molecular level, on a cellular level, but scientists can't tell you how a baby's born and why it's born and who makes all that happen. What, how, how, what, how does the, the growth initiate in the womb? How does conception occur between the sperm and the egg in the first place? What brings that all about? Well, they can't explain it because it's miraculous. And those miraculous things, we have to trust God on the fact that he knows and is, and we, we can't and are not. Um, this, this whole idea of it being miraculous is what I think over, overcomes and overtakes Nicodemus. Because, he's, again, he's an educated man, but he's, he's asking questions because he doesn't know the answers, and he's seeking God's answer in all of this, this idea of rebirth. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus here that the mind of man, the physical side of him, cannot understand the spiritual side. He's saying flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. The flesh will not understand spiritual things. It can never happen that way. We've got to have the spirit in us to draw us to understanding of what is, what is spiritually true. Um, so if we're going to comprehend the ways of God, we're going to have to see the, the, the spiritual side of, of, of things and, and not just the physical side. And our inability to see the physical, to see the finite, to see the limited, and think somehow that it helps us understand the spiritual is laughable. We, it's, we can't, with limited, finite minds, understand what is infinite, understand what, what is limited, what is limitless. And so it's, it's the case because we have to accept the obvious that we can't and don't and won't know everything. It's just impossible. We can't know everything, though we think we do. And as I say, though, we're looking to, to, to science to explain everything for us. We can't know everything and don't and won't. However, we can know the one who does and follow him and follow his way and his will. And that's really all we need to know. So how hard or easy this trade is between the physical and the spiritual has, speaks directly to our readiness either to receive him as our Savior or our readiness to surrender to him as Lord if we already know him. And this, this idea between the physical and the spiritual is, is a trade that really is, I think, almost daily. And we can pray and receive Christ. We can pray and commit ourselves to him and say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to find intimacy with you. But that, that is almost a daily trade because I know this, the enemy, the enemy will, will attack and come after that trade after day, every day in you. He'll come after you to say, you really believe this stuff? Is God coming through for you? Where is God when you're, when you're in circumstances that aren't explainable? Where is your God? I, I, thought he, I thought you could depend on him. I thought he could come through for you. Where is the science in all of this? In fact, I think that's part of the struggle that many believers are having with this virus. What's going on? Do I trust the science of all of this, which has been kind of sketchy at best? Do I trust the science of all of this, or does God have... Is, is, let me say it to you this way, without sounding judgmental about where you are and how you're approaching this virus. Either your God is big enough, or he isn't. I don't know how to say that any more plainly. Either your God, your God, the one you know and walk with, either he's big enough or he isn't. He's big enough for cancer or he isn't. He's big enough for job loss or he isn't. He's big enough for divorce or he isn't. He's big enough for failure or he isn't. And he's big enough for a virus or he isn't. Either your God is big enough in your life, in your world, in your circumstances, or he isn't. That's between you and him. It's not between me and him. It's between you and him. Don't hear judgment in that because I... I want you to protect yourself and make good decisions. Don't go around licking doorknobs and handrails. But either your God is big enough for you or he isn't. And if he isn't, 
find a bigger God than him to walk with, to follow, to know. A heavenly home depends on asking the right questions. It secondly depends on trading the physical for the spiritual. Thirdly, a heavenly home depends on the finished work of Christ at the cross. The finished work of Christ at the cross. Look at 14, 15 again with me. It says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The Son of Man must be, must be lifted up. There are very, very few people, uh, alive or dead, that can't tell you what this is and what it means. Believer, unbeliever, churched or unchurched, pagan, anywhere on any side of the world, they can't tell you what this is and what it's about. Why? Because God saw to, that, saw to it that what happened on the, on the cross became the most significant and pivotal point in all of history. And the finished work of Christ on the cross speaks to the fact that there was something miraculous that occurred there in him that in turn occurs in you and I as we pray to receive him. That, that, that can't be explained. And, and Jesus hung there, and every generation since and every generation to come will know what this means. He'll see to it that they do. Why? Because his hanging there for you and I to, to forgive and redeem you and I from our sins is, is as, as I said, the most pivotal point in history. Uh, I want to share a couple of verses with you from John chapter 12. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bible, if, if, if not, it's not going to be on the screen. But John chapter 12, I want to share with you verse 32 of chapter 12. This is Jesus speaking and says, And I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to me. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He will see to it that in his exaltation, everyone sees and knows and will be drawn to him. Not just to the cross, not just to the fact that he died for us, but he's coming again. This is a promise from the Lord Jesus himself. Um, as I said, because that was most up to now, the most pivotal point in history. It's the most pivotal point we've experienced and can know and can, and can read about and experience ourselves yet, or better yet, so far. Because <laughs> if you turn into the book, there's some pretty miraculous stuff at the end of the book too. He's coming again. And what will happen in his coming again will make and seem like everything else that's occurred, every, every miracle that's occurred since then, every, everything supernatural that's occurred up to that point will make it look like it's child's play. He's coming again, and it, if we don't get to the point of understanding that, understanding the miraculous, it's impossible to walk in his will and understand and know him. So he's telling Nicodemus here to say, in order to understand spiritual things, you've got to have the spirit in you to understand spiritual things. You have to have the, the spirit to bring the, that understanding. And so, and John's, if you want to look it up, John's uh, chapter 16, 13 and 14 speaks of the fact that the spirit, it's the spirit who brings all, all knowledge and all truth to you. He's the one who brings understanding to you. He's the one who helps you see through, the, through that eternal lens that I often talk about. He is the one that we, that we desperately need to help see those kinds of things. A heavenly home depends on asking the right question. It depends on trading the physical for the spiritual. It depends on the finished work of Christ. Here's the beauty of this all. Finally, a heavenly home depends on a father's love. Heavenly home depends on the father's love. This verse you and I know and can, can quote many of us. Uh, look at verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world, and not just the world, but your world and you right here this morning, wherever you find yourself in this very moment. 
He so loved you, so loved the world, so loved us today that he gave. Let's look at a couple of two or three ways that he gave. One is this, that before creation, he would see and provide in advance a plan of redemption for you and I. That he gave of himself to make a plan before creation ever occurred for you and I to come to know him. Knowing that we would fail, knowing that Adam and Eve would fall away, uh, before their first sin, before their first failure, he had devised a plan of redemption for us. Then at the cross, owning every sin of every man that's ever lived, yours and mine here today, uh, every man, woman, boy and child, boy and girl, uh, owning that as his own, taking that on himself, paying the price for that sin. Then now in, that in the depth and breadth and height of a love so extravagant that he reaches deep enough to, f- to forgive now and, and, and vast enough to forgive tomorrow and every tomorrow you'll face. Consider a love deep enough to forgive every sin you've, you've committed then, today, and in every tomorrow you'll face. Consider how vast and breadth, the breadth and depth and height of a love like that. That's the, the, the Father's love that he's talking about in verse 16. Um, that's what giving really looks like. Then only a parent can know that kind of love. As God the Father says, I'm giving my one and only son for you because I love you and I want to forgive you and redeem you of your sin. Uh, I've got kids. Those of you who are parents have kids. Anybody willing to kind of lay down the life of their own kid for any of the rest of us in this room? Not me, I'll tell you that. And probably not many of you as well. Uh, In order that whosoever, whosoever looking like Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler, Jeffrey Dahmer, every child molester and murderer that's ever lived, and the depth of your sin, the depth of my sin, that whosoever means whosoever. That's how deep the love of God is. To die for those that are that are anti-God, to die die for those not only that have fallen away from him in sin, but those who are embattled against him daily. To die for their sin as well. Here's the beauty of this. Forever. And forever. And forever. And as far as your mind will let you go, that's how deep the love of God is for you. And how far it'll let you go is he he is at the end of that and, and still going on. Now, try and soak some of that up and tell me how you can say no to God. How can a person soak up the love of God, understand the principles of, of this book and the love of God, and say no to that? I don't get it. I don't know. I, of course, I was raised in a Christian home where I saw and experienced that, but even apart from that, I don't get the, how, how the understanding of his love or how someone can see that and walk away from him. You know how they see that? They see that in you and they see that in me. And the folks we work with and the folks we are at the grocery store with and at the bank with and at the ball field with, they see that love for them, love for them through you and me and come to, to desire that, to be loved that way, to, to know him that way, to experience him that way. Uh, so do you think you're going to heaven or do you know that to be true? Is that something that's been resolved in your heart? It's been nailed down or... Do you know that you know that you know that you know that to be true? Regardless of circumstance, regardless of where your life stands today, you know that you know heaven is your home because Jesus is your your Lord. So whether you're here today and you don't know him and you need to pray to receive him or whether you do and you need to submit yourself to his lordship. I hope today this conversation with Nicodemus 
tells us we can't understand the spiritual by staying in the physical realm. We can't understand that kind of love without visiting the cross. We can't understand the eternal without knowing the eternal God. So either I invite you to step into relationship with him or I invite you to step into deeper water with him, to, to submit to his lordship. Because an observation and a question as we close, a heavenly home depends on your yes or no to those four things we just looked at today. To, to asking the right questions, to trading the physical for the spiritual, to, to looking at the finished work of Christ at the cross and understanding the love, the deep love of a father. Your yes or no to those things will determine your heavenly home. And I ask you today to consider that to be true. So what has it been to this point? A yes or no. What will it be tomorrow going forward? Your answer is your answer. It's not your spouse's answer. It's not your, it's not your mom and dad's answer, your grandmother's answer, your young life leader's answer, whoever talked to you at camp that, that year. It's not their answer. It's yours. Your answer today needs to be, I know that I know that I know him to be true. And I know I've experienced the love of the Father in my heart because I prayed to receive Jesus into my life and, and, and submit myself and my ways and my future to his lordship. If you don't know that to be true today, please don't leave here without seeing myself or Doc or John or, or some believer you're confident can lead you to Christ. And if you do, I challenge you to revisit his lordship, to revisit your fellowship to him, laying yourself down today at his feet day after day and making that trade to say, I'm following him. I'm following the spiritual and not trusting in the physical. Let's pray. Father, today you, you've shown us in a stark conversation with Nicodemus uh, at night in a secret place the real value, that things are of eternal value to us sitting here today in this room. And whether we acknowledge you as Lord or not, whether we, whether we know, know you as Savior or not, our eternity depends on those things. And I pray today that the pivotal answers that Jesus gave Nicodemus, you'll have those, those answers ring true in our hearts as well. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. We are spiritually reborn and rebirthed by the Holy Spirit coming inside of us to take up residence in us as we pray to receive Jesus. And if we've never done that, God, would you pierce and prick our hearts today to not leave this place without knowing you? And if we have, would you stir in us again the desire to walk behind the leadership of your lordship in our hearts, to seek you, to, to, to chase after you, to follow you as best we know how. Stir in our hearts today where we are and where we need to be and the chasm between those two places that we can close with one step and then challenge our hearts to take that step today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.